Great day, everyone. Great day to you. If your organization does not have a culture of belonging, then there is someone on your team who is suffering. So how can we create cultures and relationships that cultivate belonging? That's what's coming up today on the Coffee with Rhonda show. I'm so excited. This is our finale for season four. And you know how we do it. We are here to learn to lead above the grind. Let's get started. So that was odd. Did you all hear anything during that? I didn't hear anything either. Well, I guess that's just how we're going to start this <laughs> this episode finale. Oh man, I really kind of like that music. So, ah, what what what's a girl to do? I'm going to try it one more time. If it doesn't work, we're just going to rock and roll. No, can't hear it. All right, enough of that. Let's just roll with it. So welcome everyone to the Coffee with Rhonda show. So excited to have you here for this episode. This is episode 54 and it's our season finale. And we are gonna be talking about creating cultures of belonging. So I'm gonna bring up our panel. Man, I, you know what? Technology, we're just not having it today. We're not doing it, okay? So we're just gonna keep it moving. I'm super excited to welcome everyone to the show today. And today's conversation is going to be on cultivating belonging. So thank you so much for tuning in. As I said, this is our finale. And let me just go through a couple of little housekeeping items and then we'll do our introductions. So first, I'm really excited to welcome everyone, no matter where you're watching. You might be watching on Facebook. You could be watching on YouTube or you could be watching on LinkedIn Live. So welcome to everyone. Tell us where you're watching from and don't forget to tell us what's in your cup. You know, we're always interested in hearing what you have going on. Also, don't forget to comment because your comments power our conversation. So if you got something on your heart or your mind or something's resonating with you, put it in that comment box. We'd love to bring it into the discussion. So here's my huge ask right now, whether you're watching live or you're watching on the replay, take a moment right now to like the video and share the video with others. There's someone out there who's going to want to hear this conversation. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. So with all that being said, my name is Rhonda Y. Williams, and I'm your host for the show. I am what I call an R-Soul, or a recovering stressed out leader. Today, I'm an elite leadership coach helping entrepreneurs and executives decide it's time to stop the madness. And that means creating the opportunity to reduce your stress and live a more successful and more fulfilled life. So what do I have in my cup? I have black coffee. Believe it or not, I am so not a black coffee drinker, but I've decided starting this week, I'm going to do black coffee for lots of reasons. And I've just got a little, little dash of uh, Splenda and a little dash of cinnamon in here. So that's what's in my cup. Let's get to our co-hosts today and get them introduced. And then we will introduce our guests for the show, which I'm super excited about. So Ms. Roz, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> My name is Ross Jones. I'm the CEO and owner of Jacksonville's Best Caregivers, where we expand the life of your loved one. And why do I do it? I do it to help the caregiver on their journey to reduce that SOS, which is being stressed, overwhelmed, and providing safety and security. When you can't do it all, you give her a call. <laughs> awesome, Ross. And in 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 my nine to five killers cup, I have um, green tea, honey, and lemon. So I switched over to green tea mm. for peppermint. So that's what I'm going to be doing probably until the end of the year is green tea. Green tea, yummy, mm, delicious, mm. awesome. So Classic. thank you, Miss Ross. Good, good evening to you, Marae. 
Good morning, everybody. That's Mireille from Down Under. I'm really happy to be here. Unfortunately, it's the last one, but we are going to have fun. My name is Mireille, Mireille Tulekima. I'm the greatness engineer. i on a mission to make sure people understand that they have greatness inside of them and they are unlimited and they can step into that greatness to engineer greatness in their environment. So that's me. And in my cup, I have, I'm trying some something new that's chamomile and spice apple Ooh. so really good oh chamomile and spiced apple that sounds delicious mm. yeah thank you so much Marie. so let's welcome our special guest for today to the show miss lenitra hello welcome to the show good morning thank you so much for having me i'm so excited to be here with you all my name is lenitra king and i am in the dallas fort worth area and by way of background and experience, I have been a senior executive in the healthcare space for about the last 15 years. And I am super, super passionate about people, culture, and leadership. And I believe that's part of the reason why Rhonda invited me to the show today. So I'm so happy to be here with you all and can't wait to get started. Wonderful. So Lenitra, do you have a cup and what do you have in your cup? I do have a cup and in my cup, I have water, honey, and lemon. Mmm, water, honey, and lemon. Roz, there's your honey and lemon. <laughs> All right, so welcome everyone. We're gonna dive into our conversation, but first I wanna say hello uh, to some folks out there that are saying hello and good morning to us. So Regina's out there. Hello, Regina. Here in San Antonio, I have an exotic blend of fresh ground coffee in my cup. Yum, that sounds delicious. Thank you. And then let's see who else we have here. Oh, she said no. <laughs> and then um, let's see. Mary. Mary has lemongrass tea. Mary, I love lemongrass. Did you know it attracts, if you wear it as a scent, that lemongrass will attract mosquitoes? Just FYI, heads up. That's probably no information no one needs, but I learned that the hard way. So welcome, Mary, to the show. And Patrick's out there. Hey, good morning, Patrick. Patrick was a guest a few episodes back. We talked about collaboration, and he is amazing. So don't forget, if you have not picked up his book, The Collaboration Path, please do so. And then he has coffee with maple syrup. Oh, I love that. I keep saying I'm going to try that one day. It sounds amazing something that we never really think about. So thank you, Patrick. Good morning, Cindy. This is my mom. I'm here for the final, for the finale of the season. I have a fruit smoothie in my cup. Yum, that sounds delicious, mom. Fruit smoothie, way to go. And Patrick said, I'm tuning in from LinkedIn Live. And Casey, my mentor, my friend, he has, he's out there. He was on a, a guest on the show as well. Extra strong coffee. Ooh. You might need it for this episode, Casey. So, all right, everyone, let's dive in and get started on my second big one, Casey. <laughs> That's hilarious. Let's dive into our conversation this morning. So today's conversation, I think, is an important one and uh, a good one for us to end the season on as we celebrate our season finale. This is episode or this is season four for us. Um, everyone, and we will be back in September with episode five. So belonging. Let's have a whole uh, discussion about belonging. And I wanna first start as I um, like to do with some definitions. And I wanna start by putting belonging in context of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Cause that's where we're really hearing the term belonging surface a lot. For those of you out there, if you are not thinking about belonging in, in the sense of working in an organization or the workplace, also think about belonging in your life, in your relationships, because it's not just about um, the workspace setting. We're going to focus on that today, but feel free to add comments that are about other situations as well. So here's some definitions for you. We hear about belonging in context of diversity, equity, and inclusion often. So the first definition um, I want to share, and I'm not sharing formal definitions, but really just giving you a sense of what they mean. So diversity. Diversity is huge. It's on everybody's mind. Many organizations are committing to diversity. Diversity is about numbers, right? Diversity is about numbers and mixes of people. So do you have a diverse 
um, workforce? Do you have a diverse leadership team, right? Do you have representation of different uh, groups of people um, on your teams? And representation is not just race, right? It is. It could be gender. It can be many, many different things. It could be experiences and backgrounds, and um, and it can be a mix of um, folks who are younger and just many different things. So that's diversity. At Equity, I want to first talk about equality, and then I want to talk about equity and the two of them. So equality is giving everyone the same resources and opportunities, right? That's equality. You are leveling that sort of that playing field. Everyone gets the same thing. That's not what we mean when we talk about equity. Equity is meeting people where they are and giving them what they need. Here's an example. Equality is I have given everyone, let's say everyone in my family has a cell phone, right? That's equality. Equality is we all have a cell phone. Equity is my dad's cell phone has bigger numbers, right? Because his vision is not as good as it used to be. So I want to be sure that I am not just giving him the phone that I use, which works fine for me but it doesn't work for him and you know he can't really read it well. That's equity. Equity is meeting people where they are and giving them what they need. So what I need may be different than what Roz needs, then might be different than Moray and Lenitra. That's equity. So now we move on in the definitions to inclusion. Inclusion is bringing people in and giving them a seat at the table, right? Inclusion is you have given them a seat at the table. Belonging is you have really welcomed them to the table. It's a different thing. It's one thing to give somebody a seat in the space, a whole different thing to truly welcome and accept them in. So now just a little bit more of a deep dive. Belonging officially refers to the human emotional need that we have to affiliate with each other, to be accepted by each other, to connect with each other. That's what belonging is. And so when we're talking about creating a culture of belonging, I, I find it fascinating, this whole sort of spectrum and conversation because a culture of belonging is something that we are also now always trying to cultivate. What does it mean? What does it look like? So I'll share with you Sort of, I was in a conversation with Casey and uh, some of the other members of the A Deeper Way group yesterday, and we were talking about belonging. And through our conversation, I came up with what I am now going to use as my way of describing cultures and how we create, create those in belonging. So I'll share that with you now, and then I'll read this um, as we're on screen, because I know those watching on um, audio or podcast won't be able to... there where they do all of this activity and then they say well but we still don't have a culture of belonging why is that it's because maybe your actions were not as effective as they could have be, been or effective in a way to bring about that result so with all of those definitions out there um, so now we can move further in our into our discussion so um let's see Hi, Princess. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's see. Equity. I think we lost Rhonda just for a minute. Can you all hear us? Yes. Did we lose Rhonda? Uh, yeah, just for a moment, but we can keep going. She'll she'll come back in in just a minute. Uh, I will. Show, right? I will, I will, I will definitely come back. You can hear me, but for some reason, my camera is being weird, so I'll get yeah. that back on. But I wanted to highlight Princess's comment, and, and Princess says, equity is meeting people where they are. Absolutely, Princess. And then she goes on to say, belonging is an outcome. And that's what we were just speaking to. 
right? Equity and um, is equity is sort of one of the steps that you put in place so that then you can get to that outcome of belonging. And Princess is joining from South Africa. Thank you so much, Princess, for joining us. I am not sure what my camera is doing here, but anyway, this conversation is too important. We're just gonna keep on moving along. Um, so now that we have those definitions, here's my question. I would like one of you, um, I, I'm gonna start um, by asking you, Marae, if you can, do you have a story of maybe a time when you didn't feel um, that level of belonging? And for Lenitra and Roz, think about times when you found yourself in a place where you didn't feel that full sense of belonging. And and I'd like to open with share stories because I think this really helps us drive the point of what it means to belong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. I mean, there's there've been a lot of instances, and I will just take you know when I started working in the oil and gas industry, I didn't actually felt I didn't feel that I belong there. Uh, I I came in, I I was interacting with people who didn't look like me, uh, didn't you know um, was they were not you know the background was completely different in terms of culture, in terms of education you know i had studied in the french system and i came into this industry very english speaking and you know uh, english strong english culture and uh, then the gender as well so that was the gender and then the race as well so it was really difficult at the beginning to 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 really have this sense of belonging and uh, and not being able to communicate as well because uh, we were communicating in English, and my English was not that good at all. So that I had you know, a lot of frustration and didn't really feel like people were trying to open up and, and, and understand where I was. And that was really a, a difficult period. And I, I actually had to realize that, you know, I had to reach out and speak about it instead of, you know, staying on my, in, in my comfort zone and uh, and having all those thoughts. So it was mm -hmm. a process, a very difficult process. Wow, thank you, Marie, for sharing that story. And, you know, and you can imagine there was not just one factor there for you. Yeah. There were multiple factors, gender and race and all of these different aspects that you didn't feel like you belong. So thank you for sharing that. If you're out there in the audience and you've had an experience where you didn't feel like you belong, please share that with us. Um, put it in the comments. We love, one of the ways that we connect with each other is through our experiences and our stories. Um, so Roz, what about you? Do you have, have you experienced a time when you didn't feel like you belonged? I'm gonna go back to childhood. My, my mother and my sister and I were living in Flint, Michigan. And so when we lived in Flint, my sister and I were the only blacks in the school. There was, you know, no other blacks. And so then we moved south. And so when we moved south, naturally, we began to affiliate ourselves with, you know, our white counterparts because that's all we knew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the teacher called home at that time, my grandmother was coming up to visit and my grandmother picked up the phone and the teacher said, why don't they hang with their kind? Oh. Mm. Mm -hmm. <sighs> wow. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> and you were a child? Yeah. Wow. No words. Yeah, exactly. You see, you see, I went radio silent. My grandmother was so upset. My mother was so upset. Of course, uh, African-American mothers don't take well or no mother would take well when you mess with their child. Needless mm -hmm. to say, they had a little kumbaya come to Jesus meeting. We didn't have that problem anymore. But, <laughs> but you, know, you, know, you know, the whole thing is children really don't know racism or not being included. We don't know that mm -hmm. until someone, t usually, my mother never brought it to our attention that we were different, never. It was this teacher that came to my mother 
And so my mother brought it to our attention because she said, if this woman comes and addresses you, let me know. Mm-hmm. That's why she told us, but it was, and, and I'm like, well, why, why do I have to hang with black people only? Because I didn't understand. Right. Why? And, and then my next question was, why is she picking on us? And my mother and grandmother said, it, it push, trust me, it won't happen again. But how many other people has this started when they were little? You know, you know, we're talking about the grown-up things. Right. But let's go way back. Yeah. No, Roz, that's powerful. It really is. And and that's where it begins, right? Our beginning, our understanding of these differences and how we show up in the world mm-hmm. then is forever impacted by some experience of some person saying something just to a child, right? That is unimaginable. Absolutely. Lenitra, what about you? Did you? Can you share a time when you didn't feel that true sense of belonging? The one time that I want to share with the audience is I remember very vividly, shortly after graduating from college, I participated in a volunteer experience. And we had a meeting with this organization. And literally, I walked into the room and I felt a palpable gasp almost when I walked through the door. And I needless to say, I was the only black woman in the room and I was the youngest person in the room. And I don't know what it was. Right. But I felt I felt some kind of way about it. And I tried to push through because this was something that I really wanted to do because I said it was a volunteer experience. And I just remember feeling so uncomfortable because No one really welcomed me when I came in. I was a guest. It was my first time attending this particular meeting. And I just felt like I wanted to shrivel up into a ball. So what that experience taught me is that, you know, this is a long road ahead. And no matter what, stand tall in who you are. And this is only one experience. This is only one group. And don't let that define you or stop you in doing what's right and doing what you truly are called to do. And I just had to let that stick with me. But I do vividly remember that one experience and faces and how people looked, but also how I felt, not just when I walked into the room, but the entire time that I was sitting there wondering what in the world is going on. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's these experiences span our lives. And again, we are are speaking from our personal experience. But if you are in the audience and listening, you likely have your own experience of belonging. So um, I know that um, Princess says, I think we have all been there where we found ourselves in places where we felt we didn't belong and people even treated us as such. So one of my experiences, my mother, when I was young in her and all of her wisdom and, and thank goodness that this happened at the at the time, I wasn't feeling so great about it. But we moved from the city out to the suburbs. And I was uh, I was born in Philadelphia. So, you know, lots of people that looked like me. I was very comfortable. And when we moved out to the suburbs, there wasn't people in my classroom that looked like me. Like literally, I would be the only person that looked like me in my classroom. And um, and and children are not always the friendliest. Right. And sometimes it's the teachers in Roz's case. But children are not always. So they were always very welcoming and accepting. And I went through years just trying to figure this whole thing out. Like, I'm so different. I don't I'm not really accepted here. I don't belong here. And unfortunately, my mother probably got the brunt of my anger. Sorry, mom, I'm better now. I get it. (laughs) You know, but uh, I was not probably the nicest at that moment in my life because I was I thought I was like, mom, it's just she just doesn't want me to have a good life. She's just trying to ruin me. That's what she's trying to do. You know, as as a young girl, I just did not know better. But I figured it out at one point. I thought, okay, what can I do to fit in? How can I get myself integrated in this space? So I tried out for the cheerleading squad, fully expecting not to make it. And then I made it. And then I was like, holy crap, now what do I do? I'm on this cheerleading squad. Like I wasn't a cheerleader. Um, I was, it was just my attempt to fit in. So that's my story of, you know, one of the many, even at the executive levels, when I became a hospital CEO, we were at one of our regional and corporate conferences and I looked around and there was nobody that looked like me. Not only was I black, but I was a woman, right? And so 
many different feelings of or, or experiences. So here's what I want to do now. I'm going to do a quick round robin. Give me one word. And if you're in the audience watching, you can participate in this well. What's one word that comes up for you when you don't feel like you belong? And I'm looking for feeling words, right? What is What does that feel like? So Roz, what's your one word that comes up for you when you feel like you don't belong? Rejection. Rejection. Oh my gosh, what a strong, powerful word, right? Rejection. Yes, thank you. Marae, what about you? What's your one word that comes up? Um, I think rejection as well, which is, you know, hate, you know, people hate you in a way because you're, you're there. They don't want you to be there. So that's, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard when you don't mm -hmm. feel that sense, um, that you belong. What comes to mind for you, Lenitra? What are some, what's the word that comes up for you when you don't feel like you belong? The word that I think about is depleted. Ooh. It makes me feel depleted. Like all the energy has just drained from me. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I'm going to go with a different word. I, the word that comes forward for me is the word that often lies dormant under the surface. And the word is fear. I don't fit in here. I, where then do I fit? And then how do I navigate this space? that I feel like I don't fit because now all of a sudden I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe because I don't feel like I fit in here. Um, and so Roz? I was getting ready to say also too, for me, it impacted my identity because mm -hmm. then I tried to be something that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Once my mother told me that then, you know, then I have to act, you know, do something different which made me feel very uncomfortable. But then again, you know, I felt unsafe. I didn't feel safe anymore because, you know, was the teacher going to take me into consideration if something happened? Right. You know, what about my sister? You know, because I was older than my sister. So, you know, what if something would happen to my sister? We're in two separate rooms. We're in two separate hallways. Right. So, you know, you know, there was a lot of things, you know, as you know, as I'm thinking back, that I thought about and I hadn't thought about it until you brought this topic up. That's the way I was feeling, you know, in the sixth and seventh grade. What if something had happened? Mm -hmm. What really happened? So then, you know, like I said, I, I struggled with my identity and, you know, my safety and security. Absolutely. Roz, it's huge. It really goes very deep to that safety and security part. And um, and your identity, gosh, everything is wrapped up in what you know about yourself. And you may be fine with what you know about yourself and even love and accept you. And then you walk into a space where people are not accepting of you. And then all of a sudden you're kind of like, well, what is, is something wrong with me? Is something wrong with them? Do I need to be different and act different? This is really a deep topic. I'm already feeling the need for a, a, a part two in yeah, season right. five. I'm already feeling that. <laughs> But it can also be a trigger, a catalyst for you to actually amplify your identity, saying, okay, you don't want me here, so I'm going to create my own identity, create my own unity, so that I can feel safe, I can feel, you know, uh, have the security with me. So it can be both, you know, uh -huh. and uh, I've, I've actually, you know, went through this, uh, you know, the not feeling that I belong in, you know, in, in a lot of situation because I grew up, I grew up in France, I grew up with uh, uh, a white family at some point when I was a teenager. So they, they, they represented my parents. But when we were going out or going into the community where they, they, they were only work, white people, there was a kind of discomfort. So that was, you know, I, I, I was really used to all of this and just realized, you know what? I mean, that's not really my problem. I, at the beginning, it was a bit, you know, uh, disturbing, but that's not really my problem. What I need is just, you know, that the people that I live with actually love me and the rest doesn't, you know, doesn't really, you know, uh, it, it's not really about me. And same thing, when I was going on holiday, 
because I was living with this family, I had a different way of speaking. The tone was different. I was speaking basically like a white girl. So I was also rejected in a way like, you know, you're not from here. So, you know, and you start to develop those, um, those make those you have you start to create tools and, and, and strategies to deal with it and realize, you know what? Maybe I should just, you know, I'm, I'm a different person and I should just create my own community and, and be happy with who I am. I love that story, Marie, mm -hmm. and I love the evolution that you're describing, because mm -hmm. I think that's what happens, right? We try to evolve through the situation um, and it mm -hmm. does put a lot of people in a really tough spot. So Regina said it makes you feel separated right? Like you're really not a part of. Cindy said it's discrimination. And, you know, yeah, there are lots of forms of, of this that is discrimination. Um, and I love that looking at our comments, we've got comments from YouTube and Facebook and LinkedIn, which is all really cool. So Casey said, it's all about identity, all of it, everything, mm -hmm. every moment. It is, Casey. And your identity is wrapped up in many deep-seated feelings and beliefs that you really don't think much about until you are put in some of those other situations. Um, so uh, it, it's really interesting how this evolves. What came to mind as you were speaking, Marae, mm -hmm. is in creating cultures of belonging, my mm -hmm. comment at the very start of, of the show is, if your organization does not have a culture of belonging, someone is suffering. Mm -hmm. Someone on your team is suffering because they don't know what to do. They feel like they don't fit in here. They are questioning who they are as a human being, whether they are worthy of love and respect and acceptance and all of that because there's not a culture of belonging. So what comes to mind, let's have a quick detour conversation about this as you were speaking, Marae, is code switching. Mm -hmm. Right. So now you're in an environment where you mm -hmm. don't feel like you belong. So your defense mechanisms kick in and we can mm -hmm. talk about code switching or maybe your defense mechanism is something else. But we all get into this mode. And Casey talks about this of self-protection. Mm -hmm. Right. So what is your self-protection mechanism and, and what do you or maybe what do you see? It could be, you know, as a business owner and. I see people do X, Y, and Z. What does it look like when we are creating those self-protecting mechanisms? Um, for me, it sometimes looked like code switching. I didn't even know what it was or what I was doing. And now that I'm aware of it, I am really conscious of doing it less. I will just fully be my beautiful black self and bring that with me. And knowing that that is different from professionalism Right. I don't need to code switch in order to be mm -hmm. professional. I can be me and still be professional and represent um, from the space that I am today. So, Roz, what about or what? Let me go to Lenitra first. Lenitra, do you see this show up and what are those defense mechanisms? So I want to go at this from the vantage point of being authentic. Right. Because when you talk about code switching and when Marae shared her story and Ra shared her story, one of the first things that I thought about is being in organizations. If you're a leader, first of all, how can you be authentic and truly show up as yourself and you don't have to code switch? Right. So if you are a leader and you are truly self-aware and you're creating a space for people around you to show up as who they are, then that's when people truly start to feel like they're welcomed, like they belong, and they don't have to code switch, right? They don't have to change their linguistics to fit in. They don't have to, you know, not wear kente cloth if that's what they are accustomed to wearing. You know, they can truly feel their whole selves and show up as who they are. Because when we're authentic, whether it's leaders or employees, we're more productive, we're more engaged, you know, we're more tied to the mission of the work that we're doing and we're able to do our best work because we feel psychologically safe and we're authentic in doing that work for the organization. So I just wanted to throw that out. No, I think that's perfect um, because 
it is that if you do not feel that sense of psychological safety. So uh, we did a clubhouse room a couple of weeks ago on code switching, which was fantastic. And one of the things that came out was it's not the code switching itself. It's why you're code switching, mm -hmm. right? The reason that you're code switching, if you're code switching because you think there's an advantage to help you do X, Y, and Z, or you feel like it's, it's helping you transition into a place that you want to be, or your professional status is growing and you're feeling the need to become bigger and different within yourself. That's one thing. If you're code switching because it's the only way that you can stay safe, that you can keep your job, that you can get the raise, that you can be considered for the promotion, that's not okay, right? It's not okay for me to have to code switch because if I don't do this, I am not safe. I am not going to get those same opportunities. So thank you for bringing that forward because it's a really important piece of it. So Roz, what do you see? Are there other ways that we sort of protect ourselves? in environments where we don't feel like we belong? Um, sometimes we protect ourselves by just doing basic work. We just do just enough to stay under the radar and not enough to get promoted. Mm. You know, we just, you know, we're going to do just enough to, you know, to, you know, to pass the yearly assessment to get the bonus. I'm not going to shake the apple cart, you know, um, um, you know, if I go to the meeting, I do everything I, you know, I'm asked and, you know, there's a term that was used a long time ago. I don't think people use it anymore. And for those people who, um, who did code switch, sometimes they were called uncle Tom's. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes they were called uncle Tom's was because they felt like, okay, you've forgotten that you're black and now you're acting white. Okay, so, you know, I'm not acting white. I'm just, you know, I want to be a leader. So I'm, I'm hanging around leaders. No, you you know, and the only leaders at the most of the time for us were white people. Right. But if you hung around them, you were considered an Uncle Tom, and then you were ostracized by the black people, but then you were promoted by our, you know, our our white leaders, and then you were considered. So, you know, the, the, the code switching a lot of times we didn't realize that we were co-switching. We just thought that we were doing what we were supposed to do because we saw this position of leadership that we liked. And mm -hmm. then, like I said, the other thing is to protect ourselves. A lot of times we stay in that box. We don't go outside that box because we don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers or, yeah. you know, cause any ripples or, 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 or waves. And I'm done speaking. Yeah, no, that's good, Roz. Um, that's really good. That space of psychological safety will cause you to want to blend into the wallpaper. Just just let me fit right in with this wallpaper so nobody sees me and I don't get in trouble. I don't cause waves, all of that. Absolutely. Moray, any, any other defenses, um, any other way that we get into that self-protecting mode um, that we're talking about? I think one, one of the problem is to, to really understand uh, who you are in a way because you know um, it it will determine really how you're gonna react you know when when you challenge and when people show you that you know they don't want you around them so I think if you and and I like what Lenitra was saying is that it's really about authenticity knowing that you know I know who I, I am that's that's fine that's your choice but that's not gonna disturb me because I know who I am I know that I can you know do something else or I can go to another community or I can you know do something else so really create those alternative opportunity for you not to just you know uh, be focused on one community especially if this community or this environment doesn't want you so it's about you know your survival it's about looking for alternative right and and sometimes it means for you to change job to change teams mm -hmm. or to change the, your group of you know the group of people that are around you so that you can get back this safety and get into an environment where you know you you feel like you belong mm. and, uh, and i think that's 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 something that will, i mean i've done a lot 
I love where I love where this is going because at the end of the day, we start in this place of our identity being challenged and mm-hmm. questioned and potentially even beat up on a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as and then we go into this defensive mode, right? And mm-hmm. posture. We want to protect ourselves. And eventually we merge and we move through, okay, there's a part of this that I have to own. A part of this has to be me. And let me just ask, gosh. What, how challenging will it be for us if we are at the whim of every person and what they think about us? Mm-hmm. Right? We are going to be going left and right and up and down and back and forth. So I want to bring in Princess's comment real quick. And Princess, I'm not going to read the entire comment. It's pretty long. But the, the gist of her comment is in a country like South Africa, there was a situation where two boys, two 10-year-old boys got into a fight. And one got, uh, and the teacher suspended the black boy and not the white boy. And so the black boy said, asked the question, but why only me and not both of us? Mm. And that opened up a dialogue for them to talk about the fact that indeed racism still exists. And, um, and then her next question was, so how do we equip these young men to protect themselves? And I think that's where we're going right now, uh, Princess. So follow with us on this one. Chris says, what you were saying earlier, Roz, he said that that is so good. And then he also said, I code switch all the time. It's like second nature since I'm mm. done for so long. And Chris, I, that's exactly where I was. I didn't really recognize it as such. But now that my awareness, and that's why I love emotional intelligence and self-awareness is everything. When you get to that place that you are aware, then you can change. I want to bring this back around after Regina's two comments. Yes, we have to be confident in who we are and we must find positive support. It's cha- it can be challenging, but doable. Absolutely, Regina. So let's bring this around to the le- back to the leader in an organization you have the ability to create and mold your environment. Mm -hmm. And I think there are two pieces to this picture. There is what you as the leader do, and then there is what the employee or the team or the, the person does. You as the leader want to be able to foster and cultivate belonging. As the, as the definition says though, that's, you can't legislate belonging. Right. You can't say in a policy, everyone will belong here. Right. That's not how belonging works. Belonging is, in fact, an outcome of things. But but how do we get there? So as we move into the discussion on how to get there, there was a um, document. Let's see. There was a set of steps that the Harvard. um, I think this one was from the Harvard Business Review. They came up with, what does it mean to have belonging? So let me share this with everyone. We belong at work when number one, we are seen for our unique contributions. Number two, when we are connected to our coworkers. Number three, when we are supported in our daily work and career development, and when we are proud of our organization's values. So I'm gonna ask the panel, to expand on with these. You can choose anyone you want, anyone that resonates with you and expand a little bit on making that practical. What does that mean? You know, what does it mean if if you're creating a culture where people are seen? What does that mean and look like? Or what does it mean to have true connections in the workplace when sometimes people think I just come in to do my work and then I'm gone? Or what does it mean to support the team? and their efforts and what they're doing and to be proud. So uh, we'll do a round robin here and you can choose any of these to respond to that resonates with you. So Lenitra, let's start with you this time. Which of those resonates with you that you want to build on? I would say connecting. As a leader, how am I supporting my team in building connections? Because I think what we've seen through the pandemic, of course, is that you know people are more isolated these days, and people are on Zoom, and they're not you know at work and having the in-person meetings. So, how am I as a leader really helping my team to connect? And how am I creating that culture where people have a tribe? We all want a tribe, whether it's at work or whether it's you know in uh, at home and other relationships. So how can we create tribes um, at work and really help people build that connection? Because everyone needs connection. And that's one of the things that is, has been shown and been proven that 
people desire that connection and that connection leads to impact. So uh, that's definitely something that resonated with me is how am I being intentional about creating those connections, whether it's meetings, getting people together or facilitating opportunities for people to have that connection and feel that connection. I love that, Lenitra. So the connection one, particularly with the pandemic, is pretty huge because people have been saying that all this virtual work, right, is decreasing the sense of belonging. Right. Because you don't feel that tribe. You don't feel that connection. Are you doing and You can only do so much over Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. You can exactly. only connect with people uh, so many ways over Zoom. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's something for us to think about as leaders in a virtual or a hybrid workplace. How do we continue to build connection um, and connections that really foster that true sense of of, um, belonging? So thank you for that. Um, What about you, Marae? Which one of those would you like to speak to to expand? For for me, seeing speak, you know, uh, uh, loud, because I think it's it's about being seen uh, for who you are. So being celebrate your identity, you know, so that you don't lose this identity and get the support, especially when you deliver something, you know, ask your input, make sure that you participate, you, you, you're part of the team and people see your contribution, see who you are, see how you come across. So have really this visibility that is important uh, for you to belong to the group. Mm-hmm. I love that one too, being seeing. There's a saying that says, uh, people are now saying it, and it was um, really popular in the past, I see you, mm-hmm. right? I see you. And what they're saying is they see all of you and they not only see, but they accept all of you for who you are. So that's really powerful. Roz, which one speaks to you? I want to use um, uh, connecting and, and, and I want to give it a quick example of an employee. I, I, had, I still have this employee. She came to me before she started working. She said, Rosalind, I don't have my GED. I don't have a high school diploma, but I want to get into healthcare." I said, well, probably the only thing you could do would be a sitter because everything else requires a GED. So she said, well, can I start there? And I said, I'll tell you what, let's do this. I'll let you be a sitter, but in one year, you have to show me that you're going to get your GED and we're going to work together to get that. Then from your GED, then we'll move into you getting your home health aid. Then we'll move into you getting your CNA license. But in the meantime, she didn't have a car. So I said, we got to get you a car so you can have good transportation. I mean, this girl was getting to work by any means necessary. And Mm -hmm. to that, that showed me that she wanted something different. Right. Wow. So I'm, 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 I'm sticking with her is because she has two boys. Both of them have graduated from high school. They're going on to get their, you know, the, you know, she got them through theirs, but now it's time for her. Hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that, she, you know, that, you know, she's getting what she needs so that, you know, first of all, it's about identity, feeling independent, not feeling less. And I said, in order to be a leader, you have got to invest in yourself. If you want to own a business, you got to invest in yourself. And I said, yeah, there have been people out there who have been who have made oodles of money without a GED. But I said, as a black woman, honey, we got to have a little paperwork. <laughs> well, Roz, what you're describing there is equity, mm-hmm. right? Meeting her where she is, mm-hmm. not saying, nope, in order to work here, this is this is equality, right? So that's what a lot of organizations do inadvertently. They say, no, it's equality because across the board, we expect the same thing from everyone. And it's like, okay, but then that's not equity, right? Because people have different needs and understanding, seeing that, recognizing it and valuing and respecting it is how you cultivate cultures of belonging. So I love that example. Um, Princess said, we all are longing to be seen, heard, supported, and connecting. We are. That is human nature. Do you all know, as I was really getting ready for this, one of the comments that came up was the association between not belonging and feeling lonely. Mm. Right? So we're talking about work, but, and if you're out there in the audience, type this in the comments. Where are some other places that you feel the need to belong? It could be church. 
It could be social affiliations. It could be professional associations. You know, it could be relationships, personal relationships. Think about a blended family. Mm-hmm. Think about new marriages and how the in-laws treat you or how you treat them, right? I mean, this is deep. This topic is really deep. There is a lot of legs to it. But if we all just understand that at our core as humans, we all have a deep desire and need to feel like we belong. And when you do that for people, you can share that love. So Regina says, I love the idea of trying to connect. I can learn how to speak new languages, spread love, be patient, be understanding. Yeah. And so we all own that responsibility. So we talked about the leader. It's your role to create a space of psychological safety. It's our responsibility to lean into who we are and to know that we are enough and to not necessarily expect someone to validate that for us. And um, and the, the uh, comment that came up that as I was going through this uh, that I wanted to share was this one by Brene Brown. The truth is belonging starts with self-acceptance. self-acceptance yeah. mm-hmm. Your level of belonging, in fact, it can never be greater. Hear this, let me say this again. Your level of belonging, in fact, can never be greater than your level of self-acceptance because believing that you're enough is what gives you the courage to be authentic and vulnerable and imperfect. Wow. When I read that quote, I was thinking, okay, that's it right there. So yes, leaders in organizations, you have a responsibility to creating the culture and environment that's going to allow me to then be forward and and come forward and connect and belong. But when I do, I now, so it's weird how this works, right? You step in, you belong, but by allowing me to belong, now I'm confident standing on my own, speaking, standing in my truth, being my authentic self because I have that safety. You know what? I'm like, wow, 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 wow. This is really deep stuff. So I can't believe it's 1052 already, at least my time, central time. Uh, our time is going really quickly. And there's a couple of quick things we're, we've got to do. We've got to do our what's in your cup. And then we've got to uh, start to wrap up and share with the audience. What are some takeaways that we want to leave people with about the need to belong or creating um, that space for others to belong? If you're out there in the audience, ask yourself, what can you do to create spaces where people belong? And Take then you're going to do the cup. Yes, I'm okay. going to do the cup. <laughs> All right, here we go. Got it. Thank you. Awesome. So Casey's comment before we move into this says the ADW identity model, which is amazing. And that's what we were um, talking bits about on our call yesterday. We can only accept others to the degree that we accept ourselves. We can only accept. Oh, my gosh, Casey, that's a whole. That's, that's That's huge. Because no wonder there is this these barriers these obstacles to overcome. Because if I don't accept myself, if I'm threatened by you, I can't accept you because I'm threatened. So all of a sudden that becomes a you problem when in reality, it's a me problem, Mm. right? It's really a me problem that I feel threatened and I can't fully accept you. Wow. All right, so I'm gonna show on that one. Uh, uh Uh-oh, what happened to Rhonda? Rhonda? So we mentioned a part two, and I'm definitely feeling a part two on this topic for sure. Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. It's gonna be a part so much more. <laughs> so, so as we wrap up here, and 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 when Rhonda comes back, uh, Mariah, you want to uh, t- say what was your takeaway for today's show? Oh, my takeaways, yeah, just you know, I just saw what Casey was saying. I mean, that's my takeaway. It start with it start with us, you know. You have to believe in yourself. You have to accept who you are. And then when you, you're confident, then the rest is just, you know, uh, it's just easy, you know, to, to, uh, to flow. So that's, that's really my takeaway is that whatever we, you know, we, we go through, it's, you know, it's us, you know, we, we, we decide what we want to do with it. Mm-hmm. We, dis- we take the decision either to, 
uh, ha take it as you know something that's gonna offend us or make us insecure or as something that's gonna actually help us to go to another level and strengthen us and help us to grow. Absolutely. I want to go to the go play our little fancy music. I'll, I'll let, let's see if it even plays, right? Because there's all kinds of technical <laughs> weirdness about our what's in your cup segment. Can we at least get that in the show today? Sure, that's true. Let's, let's see. Started the what's in your cup? Awesome, Marae, um, Roz. What what what's in your cup from this discussion? What what are you taking away? In my cup, there's options. We all have options, and we have options to ask for help, or we have options to stay where we are. So that's what I'm taking away. Mm, wow, the options to really step forward and um, and own some of it. And, and what it also brings forward to me, Roz, is speaking up when, if you don't belong, if you feel like you are not safe for whatever that reason is, if you feel like if you wear your hair blue, then you won't be considered for the promotion or whatever that is, speak up, right? You got to bring that forward because others don't know. We can assume they know, but they may not know what you need to feel psychologically safe. And that's important. So, um, Lenitra, what are you taking away? You know, I take away a couple of things from this conversation. First, it is no matter who you are and what you are doing, have self-awareness, right? Have that self-awareness. Also, have the courage to be authentically you. We only live one life and show up and live life every single day. And if you're in an environment or a space, a relationship, whatever the case may be, when you're not feeling psychologically safe, life is too short for you to be stuck. Have the courage to, as Ross says, make a different choice, whether that speak up, but you choose the life you want to live and you don't have to be stuck in an environment where you don't feel like you don't belong or you're feeling like you're not welcome. So just having that courage to speak up for yourself and do something different because you only live once. Yeah, no, I love that, um, Lenitra. And um, and I know that uh, you hang out on social media. What's the platform that people can connect with you on? People can connect with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. I'm learning this whole Instagram thing. <laughs> I'm either one of those. I tell you, it's um, you have to take a class to figure out all the social media platforms these days. Yes. Oh my goodness! Yes, I'm. I'm gonna be in that class because you know what? Just the minute I think I got it figured it out, it changes. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's just too much. So let's wrap up with a few comments. Uh, Princess says a masterpiece, ladies. For me, is myself and my daughter have managed to crack the ceiling by being the first black women doing boiler maintenance in the power plant where there has never ever even uh, been white women, but only white male dominated space. I just wanna say that it hasn't been easy, but we are do we are there doing it and Marae knows that. Awesome, that is- I'm amazing. done princess. Yes, amazing. Really high five to you princess for doing mm -hmm. the work and it is not always easy. Um, Regina says, I'm taking away that being true to what Regina needs in life, self-awareness. Absolutely. And then uh, Princess says, life is too short. Have the courage to stand up, have the courage to speak out. You know, for me, I think one of the key takeaways um, for me is that we have to own part of this, right? We um, not feeling safe can definitely be environmental. And there are some aspects of that. But there are also aspects where I get to choose to love me, mm -hmm. to show up as me, right? And to really 100% accept me, knowing that if I am not 100% fully loving and accepting of me, I cannot be that for others. I cannot extend mm -hmm. that to others and I cannot do that for others. So that's my takeaway. You guys, it is a wrap. Season four is in the books. I'm so excited. Can't wait for next season. If you all have thoughts, 
comments that you would want to see us cover on next season's episodes. Um, spoiler alert, the name of the show is probably going to change for next mm. season. So just just heads up. You guys, there's a lot of coffee with shows out there. You know what? We are unique. We are different. Mm -hmm. We need to continue to bug to stand above the fray. We cannot mm -hmm. be mixed in with anybody else because even all those other coffee with shows, I think we're the best anyway. So yeah, of course, we've always <laughs> been the best. So the best no question about it. One. We always number one. We always going to be the best. We're going to do right. the darn thing always and so we're going to continue to uplift the show to jazz it up to bring you more great topics if there's something you want to see us cover next week put it in the comments let us know we'd love to bring that in so as a last comment cindy says i really appreciate Roz's experience me i've always had inclusion problems due to uh coming into an all work environment that is very highly skilled and very experienced so yeah, you know what, mom, we've all all had those moments. So we are the best. I love you all dearly. Thanks for continuing to hang with us. Miss you. with us. I oh, know. 12 weeks. <laughs> I know. 12 weeks is a long time. So you guys just mark your calendars. Mid-September is when we will be back with season number five of the something show question marks you want to give us ideas on names. You can throw that out there too. We'll see you all next season on the Coffee with Rhonda show. Thank you so much all right. for being Thank here. You all. This was so much fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Right. My caffeinated co-hosts, you guys rock as yes. always. And we will look forward to seeing everyone back here mid-September next season. Until next time, everybody. Bye, everyone. Thank you for watching the Coffee with Rhonda show. You can catch live episodes Saturdays, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern. And if you are curious about leadership above the grind, you can download your copy of the Stress-Free Leader ebook at stressfreeleaders.com. Until next